So I think I'd say to her, keep going the way you're going. It's about to get good, you know, Lovely. <laughs> which I think is kind of nice. Mm. I mean, I probably, as I said earlier, I'd probably go back and tell her to be kinder to herself and just to accept herself a bit more and don't be so worried about what other people think of you. I'm Dr. Mark Rowe and welcome to my podcast, In the Doctor's Chair. As a family physician, my expertise is supporting people in the areas of positive health and lifestyle medicine. Join me in conversations that share life lessons, health habits and leadership practices, focusing on positive psychology, lifestyle medicine and ways that enable you to live with more vitality on purpose. Appreciating that when it comes to your vitality, that everything is so interconnected. Episodes will air weekly and you can find me wherever you listen to your podcasts. And of course, on my website, drmarkrow.com. So I'm delighted to be joined today in the doctor's chair by Zara King, a very prominent journalist in Ireland. And of course, this is a bit of role reversal for you, Zara, because normally you're <laughs> the one asking the questions. So yes. I've got you in the chair today. How are you? I'm good, Mark. How are you? Thank you so much for having me in your beautiful home in this gorgeous countryside today. Oh, it's my absolute pleasure. Zara, can we start today by you telling me how did you get into journalism? So I suppose growing up, I was always really interested in news and current affairs. Um, I grew up in a house where the news was always on 24-7. There was newspapers in every day and uh, my grandparents always had the news on as well. I remember my mm. grandmother in particular being a huge influence. You know, we would stay over at her house in Cork, me and my cousins, and we'd come down and want to watch cartoons and she'd have Sky News on. Don't turn it off. <laughs> no cartoons. Watch Sky News. So I guess I just grew up around news and I was very aware of uh, both uh, domestic and global issues as a child. So, and I had a huge interest in it. Um, so that was kind of my early interest. And then I suppose my dad is an audiovisual hire company. So I always had like things like this, mm. microphones and things, and we'd home camcorders and I was an only child. So entertaining yourself, I'd be like self-shooting myself, interviewing dolls and teddy bears and kind of all this sort of thing. And so I was always kind of interested in that idea of speaking to people, of getting their story and um, asking questions. So they were kind of the early stages. And then as I got into my teenage years, then I went on transitioning work experience into WLR here in Waterford. And um, it was actually Billy McCarthy who gave me my mm. first break on radio. Um, he asked me to review a play on Date AM and I went and did that. And I've spoken about it before, but I remember sitting across from him like I'm sitting across from you now and feeling really nervous, but also never feeling like I've been more alive and thinking live broadcasting is definitely something I want to do with my yes. life. So I think they were kind of the early stages. And then basically once WLR opened the doors to me, I wouldn't leave. <laughs> so I would just go back in after school most days through fifth and sixth year, actually. And I'd make cups of tea for people and just be around in case a story broke and they need, as mm -hmm. if they were going to send me out. But, you know, I would go out and do Vox Pops and things like that. And I just had a massive interest in it. So it was kind of, I think I always wanted to do this, actually. That's great. Yeah, which is kind of mad, isn't it? It's hard to know when you're a small child what you want to do with the rest of your life. But I'm lucky that I kind of always knew. And it sounds that you really have that sense of passion and purpose about what you do as well. Yeah, I do. I do. And it's funny because I feel like I'm really lucky, Mark, that I never have a day where I get up and don't want to go to work. And I know how rare that is. Mm. Some days are stressful and <laughs> busier than others. But I never not want to go to work. Um, I love it. I love what I do. I love people. I really care about hearing about people's stories. Like my favorite part of the job, the newsroom will kind of always say Zara will always go for the human interest angle because I love that. I love figuring out how government policy and decisions affect people. Mm -hmm. And I love kind of like we're doing now going to people's houses and sitting down and having chats with them and sort of hearing about the extraordinary things that happen in their ordinary lives. 
And that's what kind of drives me forward in my work. And they say, if you love what you do, you'll never work a day in your life. Yeah, totally. totally. Which is great. And yet at the same time, I'm sure it hasn't always been easy for you along the way. I mean, something we talk about in positive psychology, Zara, is this idea of of gratitude and grateful reframing, being able to look at something maybe that didn't work out a certain way through the lens of gratitude and, and appreciating that. Can, can you relate to that in your own life? Yeah, definitely. I think all of us have things in life that we really wanted to happen for us and that we were manifesting and we were dreaming about, you know, maybe it was a certain job or a certain opportunity or a certain story that you just couldn't get over the line and you're gutted about it. Um, and in the immediate aftermath, it's really easy to be devastated about that. But I often think that if I reflect back on a lot of the things that I really wanted in life, it's only in the months and years afterwards that you realize, aha, ah, that's why that didn't work out because either something better was coming or it just wasn't for you in that moment. And so I'm really good at kind of accepting. I love the term what's for you doesn't pass. I really yes. live by that. And I think, you know, there are some things that you could be so bitterly disappointed about. Like I remember uh, one small example was uh, when I first left college, I was finished college in Dublin and I was kind of deciding what was I going to do in terms of was I going to go back to Waterford and work for Beat and they didn't really have a full-time news job at the time or would I go back and do some other work there and hope that a news job came up and at the time as well AA Roadwatch for example was a really good springboard into broadcasting in Dublin like and I was kind of thinking oh great there was a job in AA Roadwatch <laughs> and I went for the job thinking this would be like my big break into broadcasting in Dublin and I didn't get that job and I remember being really gutted about not getting that job in AA Roadwatch at the time and thinking, oh, how disappointing. But looking back now, if I had got that job in A-Roadwatch, I probably wouldn't have gone on to do the things I had done. Now. It would have been a completely different path for me. So that was one of the smaller things maybe that looking back now, I'm really grateful for uh, the unanswered prayers around that, basically, you know. Yeah. And I mean, yeah. gratitude is such a powerful habit to bring into your life because when you're grateful for what you are and what you have and for the experiences you've had, the good and the seemingly not so good, yeah, it just gives you that sense of inner uh, abundance and positivity and you know it's a great way to dissolve stress as well. It is because I think we're all guilty of this concept of destination happiness. Mm. I always talk about this this idea that I will be happy when mm. and you set and I think goal setting is really important but I don't think that we should um you know bank all our happiness in those goals so Absolutely. we will choose to be happy when we reach those goals. I think you should choose happiness right now. Like happiness is a, is a default choice like you get up in the morning and you decide and I know that some days are harder than others to choose happiness but ultimately the concept that I'll be happy when I get the next job, I'll be happy when I lose 10 pounds, I'll be happy when I go mm. on this dream holiday to wherever, you know, mm. we can get really bogged down in that. And actually, sometimes I think not focusing on like what you want and, and really looking at I'm so lucky that I have X, I'm so lucky that I have Y, like really reframing that and thinking that your happiness is actually here in the present moment. And goals are important, but we shouldn't invest all of our happiness in the outcome of those goals. I think you're absolutely right. Uh, I wrote a book called A Prescription for Happiness. Oh, really? <laughs> a few years ago, but having written the book, I know really more than anything that happiness is a journey, not yeah. a destination. Yeah, totally. And happiness ensues from allowing yourself to appreciate the small little things today. Yeah. Can I ask you, Zara, what makes you happy? Great question. What makes me happy? Like knowing that everyone I love is safe and well mm. is definitely page one stuff. I love just kind of the peace of mind of knowing mm. everyone's doing good, everyone's okay. Mm. That doesn't derail my little world then as long as mm. everyone's sort of doing all right. 
being able to get up in the morning and go to work, that sounds mm-hmm. really sad, doesn't it? But no. like just having that kind of basic ability, I'm grateful for that. I think every morning that you wake up and you can stand up mm-hmm. and get out the door and go and do the mundane stuff actually makes me really happy. Like that sense mm-hmm. of sort of normality. Yeah, um, is. I think happiness is in the little things. You already really said is, in the yeah. interview, you've got such a great sense of passion and purpose. You love your work. Yeah. Why wouldn't that give you happiness? It does actually give me a lot of happiness. And I love chasing a story and I love being kind of on mm-hmm. a deadline and being a bit under pressure. That kind of does make me happy, actually. (laughs) Probably more than you realise. It does, actually, yeah. To me, and one of the reasons I really wanted to interview you and showcase your leadership, Sarah, and all the great things you're doing is, to me, you really stand out in the COVID crisis in Ireland as somebody that's really out there on the front line, bringing the news day in and day out, telling it, as you said, sometimes having to chase the stories down, but getting to the truth and getting to what people really want to hear most. Yeah, I think so. I think it's really important because we work for the people that watch the news at home. I mean, I think journalism, first and foremost, has to be that sort of uh, representation of the people in front of the people in positions of power. Mm. And we have to listen to those people, hear what they want the answers to and go and be their voice in press conferences, Mm. in one to one interviews. So Mm. I take that responsibility really seriously. And I really enjoy hearing then from people about what they want to know about and engaging with people. So the whole enjoyment of engaging with people and then chasing down, getting answers to them. I act that makes me really happy, actually. Mm. On a smaller scale, other things that make me happy are just things like going and picking up a nice coffee and going for a walk on the Lovely. beach, that kind of stuff. Like really, I feel well, like sometimes I'm probably very basic in the things that make me really happy. Well, simplicity is yeah. the ultimate sophistication. Leonardo yeah. da Vinci said it. I mean, what, what can give you more pleasure than a beautiful cup of coffee and yeah. spending time in nature at the beach? I mean, yeah, on a windy kind of day. On, on a windy, beach. windswept but, day. And it's the warmth of the coffee <laughs> and the coldness of the wind around you. That, like those things are really tiny, but they're lovely. Absolutely. Yeah. And you hit on something so interesting earlier when you said about, about happiness is not a destination. Because I think the idea nowadays that a lot of young people unfortunately have or pick up on is that it's all about perfectionism. Yeah. And I'll be happy when, as yeah. you said. Yeah. And of course, perfectionism is an illusion for all of us. Nothing yeah. and no one is perfect. We're all flawed. And as I say, we're perfect in our imperfections. Yeah. Totally, totally agree with that. And I think as well, something that we don't talk about are this sort of underrated quality is the idea of self-acceptance. Mm. Because um, particularly as we talk now going into the new year and people set New Year's resolutions, again, goals are important, resolutions are important, and we have to be working towards something. But I really think, and I love younger people, like I would have said 10 years ago, I wish I knew that just like loving yourself just the way you are is so important and mm. valuing yourself just the mm. way you are is so important. Beautiful. And not feeling like you have to change to be a better version of yourself. You can be mm. a great version of yourself as mm. you are right now. So that's something I think I've only just learned as I got into my 30s. I'm 33 now. Mm. I just think that I woke up one day and was like, I don't need to change to be accepted or be loved. I think that you can be loved and be valuable just the way you are. And I think that's actually such an important message, especially as you say, in a kind of an Instagram perfect world that we live in, being comfortable with yourself just the way you are is a huge challenge. But if you can get there, I think that the benefits are enormous. I think it's massive self-acceptance, yeah, yeah. Um, self-compassion. I think it's really the foundation stone yeah. of self-care to really love yourself. And by that, I mean to be kind to yourself, Yeah. to turn down that inner critic that wants to beat yourself up yeah. for this, that and the other. And to, as you said, to say, I am enough Yeah. as I am right now. Yeah. I'm capable of being loved. I'm capable of being valued, appreciated and being myself in the world. Imperfect as that is for all of us, <laughs> that's certainly more than good enough. 
It is. And, but I think that's a harder challenge for people than we are willing to accept because I think we are our toughest, toughest critics, aren't mm. we? I think all of us, you know, are so introspective at times and probably look at ourselves and say, oh, I could have done this, I could have done that better. And it's mm. important to be critical. But I just think that if we spoke to other people the way we speak to ourselves, sometimes we probably wouldn't have very many friends, mm. you know. So I just think kind of turning down that inner critic and sometimes just saying to yourself, you know what? I'm actually a really good person. I tried my best today and I didn't mm. wrong anybody and I did a kind deed for someone this week. Mm. Like just taking those basic boxes and giving yourself a little bit of credit sometimes has been really important. I think particularly in the pandemic when things are tough enough, you know, the last thing you need to be is really tough on yourself. Absolutely. I think yeah. it's never been more important than during these COVID times to be that yeah. little bit extra, more patient, tolerant, yeah. compassionate to yourself as well as to other people. Yeah, I agree. And, uh, you know, I think that can really make a big difference. Zara, can I ask you, you know, through your eyes, how do you see leadership and, you know, who in the context of leadership do you admire and why? Again, another great question. I love this podcast because it gets into some really, <laughs> some really deep thoughts. I think great leadership looks like somebody who listens to others and hears everyone's voice, but ultimately has the sort of strength to make tough decisions, mm. even if it's not necessarily the decision the entire crowd wants. But that decision is based on hearing everyone's voice and and knowing and understanding the challenges ahead and making those decisions. I think that um, great leaders are people who are, have great empathy. They are not disconnected from others, that they are part of the team. But ultimately, that decisiveness is important in leadership, that you have to sort of know that even though you might be unpopular for making a decision, if it's in the best interest of your team or others, then you have to be able to do that. I think that's what good leadership looks like. In terms of who do I most admire, I admire loads of people. What's interesting, and I've always had this kind of mantra, I don't make gods out of anybody. Mm. I'm a real believer in that because none of us are perfect, you know, and yeah. I don't believe in the idea of putting any one individual on a pedestal because it's not fair to that person to do that either. So I admire different qualities in different people. Mm. From a professional perspective, I really admire correspondents like Alex Crawford from Sky News. She um, is a war correspondent who has committed her life to telling people's stories in some of the darkest corners of the world and giving yes. those people a voice. I remember particularly during the Ebola crisis, seeing her going into hospitals in what we now know to be full PPE. But at that time, we barely understood kind of mm. what it was and, and speaking to patients from their hospital beds. And I remember thinking that was incredible work that she was doing at that time. But on other levels, I admire people who are just doing their best right now. I mean, I really admire frontline workers right now, people working in hospitals, going in, like working enormous shifts and long hours in very difficult circumstances, leaving their families at home, particularly during lockdown when a lot of frontline workers had children that needed to be homeschooled and they were still working. I admired the resilience of those individuals and thought, wow, like they are. And I think sometimes people say, oh, you know, Frontline workers are held up as superheroes, but they're still human beings. And it's that idea of kind of the difference between thinking that they're invincible. They're not invincible, you know, but they're phenomenal. The resilience that they've shown in the last two years. Mm, I think you're so right. I mean, I've seen leadership in so many people. Yeah. Particularly during COVID, the postman. Yeah. Who brought us our post, the person who delivered our shopping in the yeah. early stages of lockdown. So many colleagues in in healthcare and, and so many people that have really stood up yourself in journalism, so many others right across the spectrum have really brought out the best in themselves and in those people around them. Because I think, yeah. that, I think leadership brings out the best in others as well. It's a it's a it's a we, yes. we not a meanness yeah. type exercise and activity. 
So I like that idea that you don't, you're not putting one person on a pedestal and you're, you're identifying the strengths. I can really resonate with that. Yeah, I think that's important because I don't think it's fair to any individual to put mm. them at a pe- on a pedestal either. I think it's really difficult for the person mm. that that you do that to. Um, and I think, you know, accepting that, like as you were mentioned earlier, like none of us are perfect, but everyone's just doing their best. Yeah, and I have, I just have great admiration for particularly family carers is another group of people who I've done a lot of stories with, mm. Mark, over the years. And every time I meet a family carer, I walk away so struck by how much they love the person they're taking care of, but how incredibly difficult their lives are and how little support they get. But I, I always feel so in awe of those people. I, you know, I think they're just phenomenal. The work that they, they do. And a lot of them are frontline workers that aren't recognized as frontline workers because mm-hmm. it's happening in their own homes. Mm-hmm. But I, I swear there's so many times where I come away from stories with family mm-hmm. carers where I feel so moved and it like it sits with me for days after the kind of work. I mean, like imagine loving someone that much that you will take care of and you devote your life to taking care of another individual. It's it's something that doesn't get enough recognition. And I think they're truly like mm. phenomenal individuals. And they're so selfless. So selfless. In their love and their care. And caring, of course, can be so wearing. Yes. And carers do need support. You're absolutely yeah. right. We have a massive shortage of carers in the country at the moment. It's a huge issue, you know. Absolutely. Yeah. Do you wake up each morning feeling recharged? More optimistic about the day ahead? Do you want to live with more vitality? Welcome to the idea of my self-development club which aims to encourage, educate and empower you to make those small positive lifestyle changes that support your personal growth. Each month on a live webinar, you will learn how the science of lifestyle medicine can transform the quality of your life and of those you love. Increase your health span, add life to your years as you learn to live with more vitality. To learn more and to sign up, visit www.drmarkrow.com. My purpose is simply to encourage and guide you to live with more vitality. Your key is to never stop starting. I look forward to meeting you there virtually. In terms of your own self-care, Zara, how do you stay healthy yourself? How do I stay? Well, how do I stay healthy myself? Great question. Well, I suppose to start and to touch wood, I'm one of these people who's been very lucky with my mm. health. I think we hear this term lucky with your health quite a lot. I always boast that I haven't had an antibiotic in 12 years. It's pretty good going. <laughs> I actually haven't. <laughs> so I rarely have a sick day, which I'm very mm. lucky about. Um, I don't know what I put that down to, to be honest. I'm not really sure. I'm a pescatarian, so in terms of diet, I eat mainly fish mm. and vegetables and I love fruit and things like that. And Great. I drink a lot of water because I, I love having good skin, mm-hmm. <laughs> so things like that. Um, I suppose I like to do a bit of yoga at home. Lovely. Yeah, so I those kinds of things. But like I'm not, I know my weaknesses. I'm not as active as I could be. I work 12 hours a day. I'm not in any clubs. I'm, you know, I like to go for good walks on the weekends and stuff, Mm. but midweek I could be doing way more to stay healthy. But, um, and I know things like, you know, in our job, sometimes you might forget to have breakfast and then I mightn't eat all day. Mm. And then like after the news at 5.30 by six o'clock, I'm like, oh, I didn't eat today. So I'm trying to do things like keep bananas in the car and stuff like that to try and, you know, keep yourself going. Bananas and water I'm kind of living on. But, and then you know, so they're kind of your weaknesses. But again, I suppose I've been lucky because I say, as I say, I rarely get sick and, and I've been kind of fortunate. But in the same breath, I don't take for granted that that's always going to be the mm. case. I think you do have to be better at pressing the stop button and maybe minding myself a bit better. Mm, health yeah. is a uh, priceless asset, but it's never static. It's always changing. Yes, and I we agree. need to keep investing in our own health. Yeah, I so agree. So I wouldn't 
call those areas weaknesses. I'd more inclined to say areas for improvement. Improvement. <laughs> for 2022 and beyond. I'm good at like, I would always go, so I always go to the GP once a year for the checkup, you know, so like, just because I don't get sick. But it, it was funny because for a couple of years, because I never got sick, I didn't even, when I moved to Dublin first, I didn't even have a doctor. Mm. And then I was started being like, no, you need to be going once a year and getting blood work done, probably mm. twice a year, really. But with the pandemic, it's been kind of difficult. But I try to stay on top of things like that. Um, I think if you're healthy, once a year is more than enough. Do you think so? Oh, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, popping in just to get your bloods done. Um, and even things like I try to kind of keep an eye on just supplements. I'll try and take some vitamin C and stuff throughout mm -hmm. the winter. Good. And um, I'm loving that active iron supplement, you know, the, with the B mm -hmm. complex. I think that's mm -hmm. just doing me some good at the moment as well. So I try and keep on top of things like that. But like it is, it is tough. And I do think I'm probably guilty of neglecting myself at times when it mm -hmm. comes to maybe my, you know, health and fitness. But I think that's what busy. tends to happen is you tend yeah. to focus on everything else you have to do and you can ignore your own self-care needs. Whereas if you prioritize your own self-care needs in, in a simple way in terms of your health, you'll actually be more effective at everything else you do around you. Yeah, I agree. I totally agree anyway. with you on that. I do agree with you on that because I always notice as well, I know that people say um, a Sunday well spent brings a week of content. Lovely. Like I love that saying. Yeah. But I always try and like make Sunday the best, you know, get out and get the good walk done on the Sunday and get over the 10K mm. steps on the Fitbit and things like that. Because I always feel like it does kind of gear you up then for a better mm. Monday and it kind of gets the week going. So I try and get at least one day a week where I've got a nice little bit of reset, yeah. you know. A Sunday well spent. Brings a week of content. Brings a week of yeah. content. I like that. Yeah, it's lovely. And of course, journalism must be notoriously stressful, you know, chasing the story Um, you know, the always on 24 seven. I can only imagine. And yet I would I would imagine that it's while it's very always on it's it's far from glamorous in reality yeah. you know it's hard work i would say it is i mean how how do you deal how do you cope with stress so it's funny i was talking to brezzy i did brezzy's podcast last year and he asked me the same question and do you know what mark this sounds a bit mad but i think i cope really well under pressure like i mm. think i'm better under pressure mm. i actually think i'm the kind of person who performs really well under pressure mm. I'm just much better on a really tight deadline when like the weight is weighing down on me than mm. I think I perform at my best. It's like when you put a rock under pressure and it becomes a diamond, like that's kind of my, my, my setting. I almost feel like sometimes if I'm not under too much pressure that I'm not a, at my mm. A game. So I don't know, is that a personality thing or, or what that is? But I think that's, that's definitely my personal experience. Well, you're tuned into that reality, but, yeah. but of course, stress is neither good nor bad and we all yeah. need stress to perform at our best. I mean, yeah. that's what it's for, the stress response. Yeah, the adrenaline. fight or flight, but the adrenaline cortisol get us going. Yeah, it's when you go over that tipping point and it turns into kind of chronic stress and you yeah. don't recharge from it. Yeah, then it sort of can burn you out, as it were. But yeah, it can. Stress in itself can enable you to really perform at a really supreme level. Yeah, as an acute stress is good, yes. but chronic stress is bad. <laughs> but the chronic stress isn't good. It's no, it's bad. Not. And it can, of course, lead to burnout. Yeah, it can definitely. And I think a lot of people in the pandemic have probably experienced that. Mm. Um, have you? Yeah. I wouldn't say I've reached burnout. No, I don't think I've reached burnout, but I definitely think that I've reached moments like I said to you when we arrived here today this week where I didn't sleep much this week at all mm. because this was a week um, when, you know, the government was making decisions and NEF was mm. meeting and there was a lot of stuff happening in the news. So I was kind of going to bed a lot of nights kind of thinking, oh, what will I miss while I'm asleep? Absolutely nothing, probably. But, you know, this is just mm. the way your mind works and, and you would wake then kind of like almost checking. The first thing I'm doing is checking my phone to see what emails have come in or what I've missed when I'm asleep. So I'm definitely, you know, guilty of of probably lying awake at night, not sleeping well in, in weeks when the news is particularly busy. Um, how do I cope with that? I mean, I don't know. I like I try and be as 
I try and be as kind of present as I can be in terms of trying to get good mm. sleep. They call it sleep hygiene, isn't it? Where you're kind mm. of preparing yourself for bed. So I was saying to you earlier, I like a bit of restorative yoga before bed. Lovely. I love legs up the wall pose yeah, yeah. and kind of a bit of meditation with that, Beautiful. maybe for 15 minutes mm. with the lights kind of just, I do think that does kind of calm you a bit. And mm. the thing about legs up the wall pose is that it brings the blood back down through the organs and stuff and mm. it kind of replenishes the body and it gives you a stillness before you instead of just sort of like frantically taking your makeup off putting your cream on jumping into bed you know and you're kind of wound up to 90 I try and have that like gear change before I go to sleep to try and sort of calm myself um and I like to listen to audiobooks actually I think Michelle Obama's put me to bed most nights for the last Lovely. year her audiobook is kind of my go-to sleep book but um I think it's really good to have a wind down at night yeah you need that you know, sleep doesn't start the moment your head hits the pillow and it probably takes us about 60 to 90 minutes to really wind down. Yeah, it does. Particularly from a busy, stressful day like the world of journalism. So I would really encourage you to think about that, you know, for maybe an hour, an hour and a half before bed to get into a wind down idea. Yeah. The idea that maybe the phone goes off. See, my problem, if I'm honest with you now, as you're saying this, is like, you know, most nights this week I didn't come home to like 10 or half 10. Mm. And I know I have to be back up again at like seven. So then I feel like I've got no time to wind down. I feel like I'm being cheated of my wind down time. I know. And then if I use that time to wind down, then I'm not asleep during that time. But then I'm not asleep anyway, because I'm probably on the phone. Do you know what I mean? I know. So it's the problem, you know. It's hard when you work late, trying yeah. to get in that what people call their me time. Yeah. And um, then you try and steal that back, don't you? And then, but that's how you end up then sitting off watching a movie mm. or something till one o'clock in the morning, which is totally unhealthy midweek. But you're thinking, but I need this time. I deserve this. I've worked all day. And you know? what I've seen work with some people is their ability to reframe that idea of me time. Yeah. In something that's actually better for them, like reading a nice book. Exactly. Yeah. Having a nice bath, having yeah. a nice cup of green tea, doing the meditation and the, yeah. the yoga, as you said. Yeah. And seeing that as valuable self-care time that's going to also enhance the quality of their sleep, which is yeah. really so vitally important yeah. to your well-being long term. No, it is. And I love things like, you know, I love the the skincare routine in the evening, which sounds mm. really ridiculous, but I love the process of like taking off my makeup and using all the nice creams and the balms and things. I think that's part of the unwinding process for me, actually. Um, and, you know, some people might think that that's vanity, but it's not vanity. It's it's time spent sort of minding yourself before you go to bed. And that takes about 20 minutes. So I do find that process kind of nice. Some nights I'm so tired that that's almost exhausting. But no, I would never suggest that's vanity. Down. I mean, I yeah. think whatever you have to do as a person to feel good in yourself. Yeah. Uh, that, that isn't harming anyone else. Yes. Uh, is good. I think so and too. And why yeah. not? Yeah, totally. You know, you deserve it. Take good care of yourself. Yeah, I think so too. And I think that you does know. help with the sort of wind down and the switch off process. But um, so, yeah, I think, you know, look, I think how do you manage stress? It's such a good question. I think, I, I suppose ultimately, I do think I am the kind of person who works better under pressure. But as you mentioned there, the chronic stress, probably the not sleeping over a number mm. of days. I probably don't even have my own answer to that, really, you know. Well, it's ongoing, of course, for all of us. And what I've learned over the years is that the more you can move during your day, you can actually recharge from stress. And I call it a mindful moment. Yes. So simply getting up off your chair and maybe going, getting yourself a glass of water that's standing for 60 seconds. Yeah. Breaks the cycle and the circuit of you marinating in cortisol, the stress hormone mm. that does all these, this accelerated aging and does all this kind of corrosive damage to our system throughout the day. Mm. Just micro minutes of extra movement. It doesn't mm. have to be a lot. You don't have to go to the gym, simply standing, sitting down, going for a little walk. Mm. But it compounds up and makes a big difference. Yeah. One of the biggest things I've learned over the years with in terms of 
positive health changes is this idea of thinking small. Mm-hmm. What's the smallest thing I can do tomorrow that can enable me to improve my health? Just one teensy weensy tiny thing. Yeah. And in terms of moving, just improving your movement by 1%. Yeah. That's all you have to do. Yeah. Because the magic of time will compound. Over time. I know because it's good because the little watches will give you a little buzz, don't they? Attend to the hour, it'll do it now in a minute. Mm. And it tells you to just get up and move, doesn't it? It's like, give me, feed me a hundred steps or something, it says. And there's, I think they're great. There's limitless things you can do to remind you. But yeah. ultimately, it's simply about just committing to just move that little bit more. Or, you know, sometimes if you get bogged down in something or you're working on something and you're just totally engrossed in it, but you're almost kind of at an impasse where you're you're mm. stuck or you can't, maybe you're having a mental, if you're writing, you're having a mental block or something. Sitting there is not going to get you over no. it. Like, it's just not, you know yourself, you nearly have to get up, get out, as you say, five minutes, and then you come back to the desk with a fresh perspective on stuff. They, they researched this in Stanford University and they found that people, exactly that, who had a, who had a creative block to a problem, mm. They got up, they went for a 20 to 30 minute walk around the block and came back. They had twice as many solutions as those people that stayed chained yeah, to amazing, their desks. Yeah. So walking doesn't just break a bad mood. It's great for creativity as well. Yeah, it opens the mind up. I love that. <laughs> if you were looking back, Sarah, at your, let's say your 18 year old self. Yes. What might you say to her? What would I tell 18 year old Zara? Well, I thought about this actually when I was driving down last night and I was speaking to Richard Chambers, my friend and colleague who I live with about this and I was telling him that I was coming on the podcast and we were both saying, what would you tell your 18 year old self? And like both of us have had very similar paths in our careers and that we Mm. both worked a lot when we were 18, part-time in media while we were also in college. And I was saying to him, God, like, do you regret how much we worked? And do you think maybe like we should have, like we both had a great time. I went to loads of parties when I was younger enough. It's not that I missed out too much, but I was saying to him, do you like, do you regret maybe that we worked so much? And he said, like, not really. And I agree with him. Not really, because I don't think if I hadn't have like worked as much and kind of, you know, and I loved what I did. So I never mm. really saw it as a chore. So I think I'd say to her, keep going the way you're going. It's about to get good, you know, Lovely. <laughs> which I think is kind of nice. Mm. I mean, I probably, as I said earlier, I'd probably go back and tell her to be kinder to herself and just to accept herself a bit more and don't be so worried about what other people think of you, you mm-hmm. know, because, but that's a real youth thing. You can't put it an old head on young shoulders about stuff like that either. You know, I think when you're 18 and you're younger, you're so worried about being liked by everyone or, mm. and I was never super bogged down in that, but I think like a lot of young people can can feel like they need to be accepted by everyone. And sometimes like marching to the beat of your own drum is actually a really powerful thing. And also, you know, say yes to opportunities and figure out later how you're actually going to do them. Mm, As long as it's not brain surgery, you know. (laughs) (laughs) But like in the line of work that I do, you know, if I was offered a job or an opportunity, I'd always just say yes and like work out the logistics later. It'll be fine. I love that. I was in a coffee shop earlier and there was a poster on the wall and it was this boy talking to a bear and the bear was asking the boy, what's the biggest waste of time? And, and he said, comparing yourself to others. Totally agree. Totally yeah, agree with that. Love so that. Good. Love that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I love that. And I think that, sorry, I keep hitting the microphone. I love that because instead of looking around you and worrying about what everyone mm. else is doing, just focus on your own, you mm. know, on your own path. And yeah, I love that. And speaking of paths, looking forward, Zara, if we were to mm. look forward, say five years into the future, it's a well-known idea, this best possible future self. When everything you're working towards works out just the way you hope, mm-hmm. all your dreams, all your goals, all your aspirations. What does that future version of Zara look like? I think she looks very similar to the person I am right now, Mark, actually. I think that goes back to this whole theme of self-acceptance. I don't think that I I, I want future Zara to be enormously changed from present Zara. I think present Zara is just doing okay in fairness to her. You know, I think she's probably all right. But um, I hope that I'll be 
just as healthy and happy as I am mm-hmm. right now. And I hope the people around me and the people I love will be still, you know, healthy and happy and that we'll be, you know, able to spend time together. I think like the time that we all lost together over the last mm-hmm. two years is something that sometimes, not that it weighs on my mind, but I think, you know, having missed out on so much time with people, it really makes you realize how fortunate you are to have them. Um, I hope that I will be still working, doing the job I'm doing right now, maybe or some line of work like this. I hope I'll still be happy going to work every day. I hope I won't be doing a job that I hate rather than in five years time. <laughs> um, but yeah, I don't know. Like, I think it's, I think, you know, being content is something that I think maybe I've just come to the realization of in the last couple of years, just the way you are. I don't think like we never, I don't think any of us are guaranteed tomorrow. So I think you've got to just live right now. Mm. But I hope in five years time that I'll be just as happy as I am now and that I'll be just as fortunate as I am now in terms of the great friends and family that I have around Mm. me. I think that's wonderful. Yeah. What advice would you give to aspiring young journalists out there? Pick up the phone and make a phone call is my number one piece of advice. (laughs) I always, people laugh at me because I go on about phone calls all the time. Nobody makes phone calls anymore. Young people hate phone calls because they're all DMing each other and messaging each other. My number one tip if you want to be a journalist is ring people. You'll get way more information from someone off the phone than you will in a text message. (laughs) (laughs) So I think that's probably my number one. I love phone calls. I love talking to people. Mm. I'm not really a texter, to be honest. Like I send the odd text, but I love ringing people. And particularly in my line of work, like I said to you there, you just garner way more information from a phone call with somebody than you would from a text message. So that's the top tip for being a good journalist. Perfect. Making phone calls. And, you know, I often talk in the podcast about, you know, take homes for a more resilient mind, you know, yeah. a strong mindset. What three take homes would you give our listeners? Uh, my first one would be every day could be the best day of your life. It always has a possibility because there has to be a best day of your life at some point. I love that. Love that. Every day I get up, I'm like, today could be the best day of my life. It mightn't be, but it could be. So I love that. Stop worrying about what you don't have and focus on what you do have. And mm-hmm. embrace what you do have and look around and realize how grateful and how lucky you actually are. Because I think sometimes we don't check our privilege. Like we're, a lot of us are very privileged. Mm, and are. when I say privileged, I'm not talking about money. I'm talking about just privileged in terms of the support network you might have around you. Mm. Or the fact that if you had a friend that texted you today and said, hi, how are you? That's a privilege. You're lucky to have that friend in your life. So things like that. I just think like, you know, just be grateful for the smallest things because some people to other people, they're big things. So I think having gratitude and then the third thing would be, and I'm repeating myself again, but forget about destination happiness. Just choose happiness right now. And it's not always easy. And some days are really tough and I get that, but don't decide to be happy when something else comes to pass. Choose to be happy right now. Mm-hmm. Probably my best piece of advice. I think that's beautiful. I'm an eternal optimist, Mark. Yes, I, I can tell that. <laughs> but the that. problem of being an optimist is when I always say when things don't work out, it's a bigger shock to you because you didn't see it coming. <laughs> but, 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 but I can tell you're an optimist. And what's yeah. really inter- interesting for me is how good optimism is for your health. Yeah, I think so. I think optimism, to be honest, is something that helps you to manifest better things. Mm. Like I'm a big believer in, you know, what you put out into the world, you get back, you know. Mm. So it's even things like when you smile at a stranger or like you talk to somebody in the queue in the supermarket. I love chatting to people in the queue in the supermarket. Mm. I talk to everyone. Talk to the lady behind the counter in the pharmacy, you know, the person making you the coffee. I love chatting to people. And sometimes, you know, I think like even just strangers you meet or waving at a child or like, I just think when you put out that kind of positivity, you get it back. And I'm, I know it's not easy. And some days it's really hard to do that. And I appreciate there'll be people listening saying, I just don't feel like it on a particular day, but 
I don't know. I just think sometimes if you just kind of put it out, it'll come back to meet you and it does lift you. Absolutely. I yeah. call it optimism, the oxygen of opportunity in life. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Optimism, the oxygen of life. Of opportunity. Of opportunity. Yeah. I love that. Because it just creates so much more possibility. Yeah. For you and those people around you. Yeah, I think so. Having that positive mindset and positive visualization. I'm a big believer in like the the idea of manifesting good things. Mm. But like I say, then the ones that don't work out, it's okay. They weren't meant to. So you find that out later. And of course, it's not blind optimism. No, you know, it's realistic optimism. <laughs> that's what I say. Exactly. Based on the reality yeah. of your own efforts, based on what Zara is going to do today yeah. and tomorrow and the day after. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's I think it's attainable. I do mm. think it's attainable. Um, and I think that, you know, we can get there with just that little bit of hope. I think being hopeful, we have to be hopeful. Like what else? We have a short time here, you know, it's a short Absolutely. time. So we have to make the most of it. Zara, finally for you, what's the meaning of life? The meaning of life for me is to love and be loved. And like I said there, it's a short time. So do your best by people. Be fair, be kind, be decent. And, uh, you know, go to bed at night knowing that you didn't wrong anyone, that you did a good deed for someone else. I think just being a decent human is the meaning of life for me. Well, Zara, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the doctor's chair. Keep leading, keep inspiring and keep being the wonderful human being that you are. Thank, Thank you, you so are. much. Thank you for having me. My pleasure. Thank you for listening to my podcast, In the Doctor's Chair. For further resources to support you to live with more vitality, please visit my website, drmarkrow.com.